0: Would you help me welcome my friends to La Palma Christian Center, Dave and Pandy Wiggington?
1: Thank you, Pastor Steve. Thank you so much. We are delighted and honored and privileged to be here today in the presence of the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. And uh, he was, what, six or seven at the time he saw us in the doorway, and he finally got to tell on us. So. But uh, it's good to be with family. We consider your pastor part of our spiritual family, and it's just a delight to be here today. And what a blessing God is to us. And we've already had special prayer for my need, and I'm believing on a miracle. I'm awaiting the miracle, and we'll let you know when the miracle comes. I've been known as the bionic preacher because now I have a bionic prosthesis. How many old enough you heard of the $6 million man? Well, I'm the cheaper version. I'm the $16,000 man. But uh, this 13-year-old prosthesis has uh, died, and uh, it's not working. At the same time, I've got the shoulder problem. And so we're applying for a new prosthesis. And uh, shortly, the Lord uh, doing the provision, I'm praying for a miracle of provision on the right and a miracle of healing on the left. I'll no longer be the $16,000 man. I'll be the $65,000 man. Because we've got a new arm, and it's coming. The Lord's going to provide that, and we're grateful. And uh, there was a miracle when I had the accident at age 16. My life was spared. I should have bled to death, but did not. But uh, that's a story for another time. I just want to give God praise for allowing us to be here today and the miracles that we're depending on. Amen? Amen. Candy's going to come and tell you about Mission of Mercy. They're, in 40, they're taking care of 40,000 children in 16 countries of the world, but she's going to narrow our focus today and show us some kids that you can make a difference in their lives. Thank you. Yes, the video. Just uh, switch to the DVD there. Just
2: switch to the DVD. It's two minutes. This one's one minute, so we got another minute. The one you use for service, that's fine.
1: It's the third one on the menu.
2: I think it's the third one, the shortest one on the list. While they're pulling that up, um, everybody look at your watches. I don't know what time you normally get out. Pastor said about an hour and a half. We've allowed the Holy Spirit to do some work here. It's obvious you're not getting out at noon, okay? Everybody okay with that? And I say to that, God forgive us if we're more worried about the roast on the stove and getting to the restaurant before the others get there. If we're more worried about that than what God wants to do the rest of the service, then God forgive us. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? Do we have it? If not, I'll just go on without yep, that, that video. I
1: got it right there.
2: focus on the Dominican Republic. Uh, I talked with pastors some months ago, and uh, La Palma is going to be partnered with us in a community outside of uh, Santiago, uh, Dominican Republic. Santiago is the uh, second largest com- uh, city of D- DR, and but this is a small community outside, a very poor community, where things that we take for granted, sanitation, running water, electricity, are very scarce there. And the children, the families, don't have a lot. A lot of the Dominican um, families are left without a father and uh, even even a mother sometimes. And the children live with the grandmothers who um, don't have even jobs or a way to feed the kids. And anyway, you guys are going to partner with us in one of our project and help sponsor those kids and provide um, food, all the medical needs, uh, education or education supplement, whichever the children need, and uh, of course we teach them about Christ, we give them a lot of social development because of a lot of issues that they face there, a lot of these kids end up on the street, uh, end up in abuse, um, all the things that you can imagine horrible, and so, um, but we provide life, hope, truth, love, and mercy for those kids, and uh, give them, I'm just simple enough that I believe that every child deserves a chance, a chance. I can't promise you your investment, Pastor, in these kids in the years to come. I can't promise you those kids are going to serve Christ. I can't promise you that. I can't promise you that they're going to grow up and get a job and be able to sustain their families. I can't promise you. But I can promise you one thing. By your investment, you're going to be giving these kids the best chance that they have. And what they do with that chance, just like what you do with the challenge this morning, is up to them. And so thank you for giving them a chance. I want to share with you a quick experience I had at one of the projects. and I, I think it kind of explains <coughs> a little bit of what we do. I had taken a team of ladies in. We'd taken yellow shirts for the children and those fabric markers. By the way, that's a fun thing for your team to do. And the kids design a shirt. And, and they have fun with the craft, and then it gives them a new shirt. So they had on their bright yellow shirts, and they were lined up um, to get their lunch. And I was standing at the big black op- uh, pot open over the fire, dipping and I, I looked down the way I saw a little girl that didn't have one of the yellow shirts on. I thought, well, she got missed. I want to make sure she gets a shirt before the end of the day. And she got closer, but there were other things that were different about her other than the shirt. Um, one thing I noticed immediately: the children are happy. They are happy. They have nothing, but they're happy. But this little girl looked very sad. She was very dirty. Her hair was matted. Her tummy was protruding. I handed her the bowl and looked into those big dark eyes and it was just kind of like they looked off in the distance. She took her bowl, went over and sat down and she began to eat. Began to inquire about the little girl, found out she wasn't really supposed to be inside the gate. Now, the, our projects, including the project in the Dominican, the children need to be registered and they need to be uh, sponsored to be, in, in, to be a part of the program. The reason being, we're not just a feeding program, Okay. Uh, we do have areas in the in the world that are desperate that we do feeding programs, but these projects are not just feeding programs. We provide all those other things I listed earlier, and so we can't just open the gate to everybody because we can't. It takes money to operate the program. You understand that? And so we provide those things for these children who are registered, but this little girl got in the gate. She wasn't a registered child, but we didn't make her leave. She stayed for the day. So she began to eat, and in this country, um, the the poor children don't have silverware in their home, so in the project we do the same um, because that's what they're comfortable with. So she began to eat with her hands. Now the, the right hand is the spoon and fork. The left hand is their toilet paper, and that's the way they live. So they only eat with their right hand. The left hand is unclean. But this little girl took both hands in the bowl and began shoving the food in her mouth. It was coming out. She couldn't swallow it as fast as she was putting it in. She was so hungry. She finished off her bowl, and then she took her finger and began to do this, and then she took the bowl up to her mouth and lick, 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 lick. It was obvious she was so hungry. Well, I wasn't the only one watching the child. The little girl next to her, who did have a yellow shirt on, was watching her, and um, I think probably, mainly, because she was using both hands, that's very unusual. But I stood there, and I I watched this little girl, and then I saw the most beautiful thing I think I've ever seen in all my travels. I saw the little girl sitting next to her, and she wasn't a family member. She didn't even know the little girl, I found out later. But I saw the little girl next to her take her bowl that was half full. You're ahead of me. And I saw her take that bowl and slide it over to the lap of that little girl. I have to tell, I thought my heart would jump out of my chest. I I wanted to say, No, sweetheart. Don't give up your food. I knew this was probably the only meal she would have for the day, and it's a very important meal to them. But I tried to climb in the mind of that little girl who gave her food away, and I thought, you know, she had to know that tomorrow, the next day, and the next day, she's coming back. And she's gonna get food and all the provisions, but she didn't know about this little girl. She just assumed she wouldn't be back. So she gave up her food. I quickly got the bowl, went over to the pot, scraped the bottom, literally scraped the bottom. <coughs> To give this little girl more food and before i go any further because i forgot this the first service i made sure before i left that week that little girl was enrolled in our program so she could come back okay that was important <coughs> just a little quick story so that you kind of understand the difference in the children that are in the program as opposed to children out on the street who are not in the program it makes a huge difference in their life and that's what you're going to be doing for these Dominican children. And, and my prayer is that as, as you continue to partner, we can add more children to the program and bring more children into the program. That's my prayer and desire, and that you're going to build a relationship with those kids. Now, here's the thing, okay? It takes $34 a month for the kids to be in the program. That's a little more than $1 a day to provide the things that we provide for them. $34 a month. Now, everybody look we're right here, Okay? I don't want your tithe money. Your tithe goes to build this church. You understand that? I don't want that. Robbing Peter to pay Paul doesn't fix anything and it's not God's way. I don't want that. I don't even want your other missions money. Later you're gonna be challenged to make a missions pledge. This is not your missions pledge, okay? That's not what this is. Okay, that being said, I'll gladly take your Starbucks money, your Pizza Hut money, your McDonald's money, your Uh Taco Bell money. Um, Golf do I money. need to go on? You, I, many of you are doing like this, so I think you understand and you're following me, okay? Something came to me, or two things came to me, early this morning. I think it's because you were reflecting back to Lenten. But I remember my mom saying, and my dad—they were my mom and dad were givers. I mean, when missionaries came by, they would literally get, my dad. Literally, gave the coat off his back one time in the winter time to a missionary. So when you say they give the coat off their back, they would do it. But I remember my mom saying, kids, I want you to know, when a missionary comes, we're going to give. And they set the example for us. And I remember my mom saying one time, we will not leave church and stop at Tasty Freeze. You remember Tasty Freeze in Linton? It was the only ice cream place. We will never leave church, stop at Tasty Freeze on the way home and get ice cream. Because every Sunday night we went and got ice cream she said we will never leave tasty freeze and stop and get ice ice cream and say we don't have any money to put in the missionary offering that will never happen if that's all the money we have it'll go to the missionary first and then we don't get ice cream and that's the example they set before us and i wonder how many people today will walk out of here and say i don't have any money to give to missions i don't have any money to sponsor a child And they'll walk right out the door and go drop 40 bucks for lunch. God forgive us. And this is not about guilt. I am not a guilt person to lay guilt. Folks, there is just so much weighing in the balance in this service today. And I'm not just talking about the sponsored kids. God brought a dream back to me. standing down here this morning, and I don't know why. When I was a little girl... I remember being in a service like the service today where the challenge was to give an offering at the, at the end of the service for missions. I don't know how old I was, maybe seven. I had my little purse because as a little girl, I always carried a little purse, and I had my coins in there. And I remember God challenged me to give those coins in that missionary offering. I'll never forget the message that missionary brought today, and I am way off of my Dominican thing right now, Okay. But I'll never forget the challenge that missionary, his message was, I want you to see every dollar you give as a soul. Dollars turn into souls. Dollars turn into souls. And that was his message. I remember him saying that. And the truth is, it does. Because the money that you give for missions allows pastor to give to missionaries and invest in projects. And what they're doing out there, spreading the gospel, why? Why? to win souls. So that was what this missionary was bringing. God had told me to put these coins in and I didn't do it. I don't know why I evidently had some little plan for those little coins in my purse and I argued with God and I walked out of the service and I didn't do it. God brought back a dream to me standing there on the front row this morning. I had a dream that night and dry, I had gone to heaven and Jesus was there And in my dream, I saw this face. It was an African face. And in my dream, God said, he's not coming to heaven because the money you should have given was what would have won him to the Lord. Now, I'm not going to go into all the theological stuff there, okay? I'm just telling you a dream I had as a little girl. And I'm thinking... God, what is it you want us to do this morning that you want to transform into lives in the kingdom? And is it possible that if I hold on to my dollars today, there will be souls that might not make it into the kingdom because I was selfish? I don't know. I just felt like I had to share that with you. So when the challenge is given later this morning, folks, I need to get back to my Dominican now. The ushers are coming, and I challenge you to sponsor a ch- child today and give up Starbucks or something, okay, and change the life of a child. Char- partner with this church. By the way, they're going to be taking some teams down, and uh, first team will be going next year sometime, and some of you will go meet your child. Pastor?
0: I'm just going to uh, just piggyback with you, Candy, real quick. Folks, I want you to understand the significance of what, is being brought to you today. Candy represents Mission of Mercy, and uh, an organization like this will come into a church like ours, and they will just usually present any number of, of regions or countries and children because the need is so great around the world. But we have a strategy that I believe God birthed, the Holy Spirit birthed this. We are going to adopt a, a village, really, a, a, a region, a little area of the Dominican Republic that we can build a relationship with year after year. I, I, I asked her if she would, or she actually suggested, but I loved it, uh, if she would pick a, one of the pastor's sons. I, Karen and I have already adopted one, a PK. Pastor Dave found one that wants to be a pastor, and they've already adopted him. About a dozen d- adopted children in our first service we will go over and visit our children and help with projects, building the church, building the school, whatever they happen to need. Every year, every other year, whatever, whatever uh, you know, God kind of allows us to do. But we are, this is how big this is, folks. This is not casual. And this is where the DNA shifts for us. This is something we have never done. We've never just adopted an area. And this is in addition to our faith promise pledges that we're going to present to you in a minute. God is stretching us. I want to challenge all the edge youth to pray about adopting a a, a, a a child, a student. You could do this. You didn't say this in this service, but you said something about even just going out to, to dinner once a week and giving up your Coke. Just what you would... A family of four, you could still go to dinner and just drink water, and that would be enough. If you do that once a week, you say, that's enough. That money that you would spend on a soda is enough to sponsor a child. Powerful. All right, I'm getting out of the way.
2: All right, thank you, Pastor. Ushers are coming, and it is true. A family of four that eats out once a week. And uh, it's almost true, a family of two (laughs) that eats out every week, give one of those meals up for a week, and you can sponsor a child because I know what meals cost these days. So um, if you're going to help one of these kids, if you just raise your hand. By the way, uh, Pastor, challenged the teenagers. Our grandson recently, um, David, was taking a missions pledge, and he he has a a job about 15 hours a week, and he gave $100 in that offering, our 16-year-old grandson. And God's going to honor that. Raise your hand. Um, they're, they're looking for hands. And uh, we have, I think, about 30, 35 kids in here from the project left over from the first service. Let's get all these kids sponsored in here today. And uh, you, are, you, you guys are going to connect with the community and make a difference. If they run out of those, I have three of these. These are three children that came available on Thursday. Um, before I left for another women's conference coming on the way to here and I don't have their picture but I have their names and their ages you'll fill these out and I'll mail the picture to you this week Um, ushers you need some more I want to use these three I have three here I need to mail pictures to let's use these up who who will take one of these I see the ushers going out I don't want you to get those other profiles until we use these up okay just fill this out turn this in and I will mail you the profile this week okay Let's use these. I got two more. Two more. Two more. Let's use these. Use these before you use those off of the table in the lobby, okay? Use these first. We have a strategy here, okay? So just trust me on this one, all right? We have one more here. Oh, come on, folks. We got one child that needs a sponsor from your project. Somebody take this child. <laughs> you got oh, somebody somebody's up. upstairs. Okay, good. All right.
1: Tell them what to do with the arm. Tell me
2: the number on those two you have in your hand. Is it DOO 11? Yes. It is DOO 11? Oh, both of them? Oh, so we have two more. Somebody else wanted one? Okay, up, we're going to put these two up in, the
1: balcony. There's up in the balcony.
2: Up in the balcony. Up in the balcony. Okay. All right. If you've taken one of those kids, and by the way, if you didn't get one and your children are in children's church, you want to bring them by afterwards, I'll be at the table. We have more children there, but it was important we did these first. If you've taken one, there's a blue envelope. Fill out the blue envelope. Bring it to me after the service if you can make first payment today. uh, Don't take away from your missions offering, but if you can, it helps us get the benefits to the children quicker. And so, if you can't, we're happy to bill you. I need the blue envelope. If you take the blue envelope home today, you have kidnapped one of my kids. Okay? Packet's yours. Blue envelope is mine. Who gets the blue envelope? Candy. All right. Thanks. God bless you. Look forward to working with Pastor Steve and Karen and and, uh, you wonderful folks in the Dominican. And you are going to, you are just going to fall in love with those kids down there, I promise you. God bless you.
1: Amen. Thank you. And thank you for partnering together with Mission of Mercy and with this uh, village just outside of uh, this big city. And you're going to have a branch church in the Dominican Republic, La Palma Christian Center in the Dominican Republic. Wow. Think of that and what an impact you're making. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to 1 Timothy 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, but follow along in whatever translation you have. I have a question and an answer for you today. One of the questions is, is ordinary what God wants for you? Is ordinary what God wants for this church? Does God want you to be an ordinary American? Are you meant to be average, mundane, mediocre, typical, common?" I asked my uh, youngest granddaughter, Anna, age nine, I said, Anna, what do you want to be when you grow up? She says, I'm going to be an actress, a singer, a star. I asked our youngest grandson, Austin, age seven, what he wanted to be when he grows up, and he said, I'm going to be a, a teacher. He said, no, make that the principle. No small child dreams of being ordinary or average when they grow up. They're going to be exceptional. And I think that's what God has intended for his church. We are not average Americans. We are Christian Americans. And extraordinary is just ordinary with a bunch of extra in front of it. And that's what God wants to do. I, I remember the story, I love it, of the little guy who was going out, out to practice some uh, softball, and he has a ball in one hand, he has his baseball cap on backwards, and he's got the bat in the other hand. And he goes out, and he's getting ready to throw the ball up and hit it with the bat, and he says, to himself because there's nobody else there. Nice and loudly, he says, I'm the best batter in the world. And he throws up the ball, takes a swing, and he says loudly, strike one. He bends down, picks up the ball, tosses it up in the air again, and just before he does he says, I'm the best batter in the world. And he throws the ball up and swings and says, Strike two, picks the ball up another time, and just before he tosses the ball in the air to take his swing, he says, I'm the best batter in the world. Strike three, I'm the best pitcher in the world. It's not what happens to you in life that matters. It's how you respond to what happens to you. God has not called you to this church to be an average churchgoer. God has not called you to be a believer to be an average American. He's called you to be exceptional, extraordinary. Daniel 11.32 says, The people who know their God shall be strong and do ordinary things. No, they shall do great things, exceptional things, outstanding things, priceless things, phenomenal st- things. Extraordinary. First Timothy 2.1. In this passage, you're going to see what God's will is for this church what God's will is in this world. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. As you make your request, plead for God's mercy upon them. That's why Mission of Mercy offers, what is it, mercy, love, truth, hope. And give thanks. Pray this way for kings and all others who are in authority so that we can live and peace and quietness and godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior. And here it is, God's will. For He wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. God wants a few people to get saved. God's will is that everyone would be saved and know and understand the truth. There is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and people, the man, Christ Jesus. There's only one way for salvation to occur. There's only one person who can bring God and men together, and that's Jesus. Jesus Christ, virgin born, living a sinless life, dying a substitutionary atoning death, rising bodily the third day, ascending into heaven, sending the promised Holy Spirit to this earth, coming back again to reign forever and ever as King of kings and Lord of lords. That's the message the world is dying to hear. Jesus, He's the message. Jesus. He's the one that spoke and everything that exists came into being. He made mankind out of one ball of mud. He made a sign out of the rainbow. He drew an emancipator out of the Nile River. He made a serpent out of the shepherd's staff. He made a freeway out of the bottom of the Red Sea. He made a three-course meal out of the dew in the desert. He made a sidewalk out of the walls of Jericho. He made a preacher out of a donkey, so Pastor Steve, I guess there's hope for me. He made waiters out of ravens. He made an army out of dry bones. He made a taxi out of a whale. And he made an elevator out of a whirlwind. And that was just in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, he made wine out of water. He made a taxpayer out of a fish. He made the banquet out of the little boy's lunch. He made the blinded eyes to see. He made the deaf ears to hear. He made the dumb mouth to speak. He made the withered hand to be straight. He made the lame to walk. He made the leper clean. He made the issue of blood to stop. He made the guilty guiltless. He made eternal life out of his own death. He made a fool out of the devil, and he's making the church out of us. Hallelujah. Jesus, yes, give him praise. He's making the church out of us. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message that God gave to this world at the proper time. Our mission is to save. Our message is for everyone. We're not just here to help people. Yes, we are going to help people. We're going to feed the hungry and clothe those that need clothes and find shelter. We're going to reach out. We're going to help people, but we're here to rescue them. Our focus must be on rescuing the perishing, saving the dying, snatching them from the gates of hell. A new denominational leader was interviewed by Newsweek, and he set out his goals for the church, which he was the leader of. One, provide education for boys and girls. Two, feed the hungry. Three, fight AIDS. Four, stop malaria. Five, eliminate tuberculosis. Those are high-sounding, wonderful goals and objectives. Only one thing wrong with them. There is no mention of Jesus. We're not here just to help people. We're here to rescue the perishing. If you get out on the 105 and up ahead of you there's a terrible crash and an accident, and there's someone trapped in a vehicle upside down on the interstate, and you're the first person on the scene, and you run up to the car, and there are flames starting to burn at the back end of the car or the front end of the car, and You walk up and the window's all crushed and there's someone bleeding inside the vehicle. And you're going to say, can I get you a bottle of water? You're not there to help them. You're there to rescue them and then help them. And that's the situation in our world today. We are here to rescue the perishing. Our mission is to save, to rescue And the message is for everyone. Notice the words all and everyone over and over again. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise to return, as some people think. No. He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish. So He's giving more time For everyone to repent. Mark 16, 15, Jesus turned and spoke to the disciples and said, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone everywhere. Say, Everyone everywhere. Everyone everywhere. everywhere. That's what we're called to do. So, what does God want from my life? What part does He want? You to play in fulfilling the Great Commission. You know, why doesn't God just take us home the moment we kneel at that altar and accept Christ as our Savior? Why doesn't He just take us to heaven? Have you ever had days when you wish that that's what He did? I have. The best I can calculate it, there are two things that we can do here and now that we won't have the capacity to do in heaven. One, we can sin. When we get to heaven, we won't be able to sin. Two, here and now, we can lead a person to Christ. But when we're in heaven, we won't even have the capacity to win someone to Christ. We won't be able to reach back across the, the gap to this earth and bring someone to Christ. And everybody there will already belong to him. So, what do you think? Do you think God leaves us here on this earth so we can sin? Or bring someone to Christ? That's why we're here. That's our reason for being. What does he want from our lives? What part can we play in this great, great commission that he's given us? Well... Let's let's go over a summary of how the church is doing in completing this mission of telling everyone everywhere. Now, is everyone going to be saved? No. But everyone must have the opportunity. Everyone, everywhere. There are 2.74 billion unreached people in our world. These are people that have never heard. Every time you take a breath, six people slip into eternity that don't know Jesus Christ, haven't heard the good news. Eighty-five people are added to the world's population every minute. That's 5,000 an hour, 122,400 every day, 3,600,000 every month, 44 million a year are added to the population of planet Earth. In India alone, India is this little peninsula right here and yet more people live in India than the continents of Africa and South America combined. If you were to preach the gospel in eight villages a day in India, it would take 250 years to reach every village. If all the lost people in the world, 2.74 billion people, were lined up in a single file line, they would wrap the world. They could could make a line around the world eight times. If you were just to drive by them at 60 miles an hour for eight hours every day, it would take you four years and 40 days just to drive past the lost in our world. That's nearly 40% of the population of planet Earth that needs to hear who Jesus is. But the good news is, even with that, today, 160,000 people hear the gospel for the first time every day. 160,000. Every hour, there are 3,000 people who call on Christ to save them for the first time. 3,000 every hour. 3,000 people have been added to the church since we've been in church today. Thank God. In the 80s, there were 75 believers in the country of Nepal. Today, there are 500,000 believers in Nepal. In the 1950s, China was closed to missionaries, and there were 1 million known believers in China in the 50s. Today, there are 135 million believers in China, and every day, 28,000 Chinese people come to Christ. Wow. Get this. In 1900, in the continent of Africa, there were 10 million believers, 10 million Christians. In the year 2000, there were counted 360 million believers. The population of 1900, the million, was represented about 10% of the population. And the 360 million in the year 2000 represent about half the population of the continent of Africa. That is the largest religious affiliation shift in the history of the
2: world.
1: These are great days in which we live. In Iran, more people have come to Christ since 1980 than all of the prior years to 1980. Twenty years ago, the United States was sending out 69,000 missionaries. Today, we're sending out 35,000 missionaries. Ninety percent of the missionaries from America are going to reached people groups. According to the Joshua Project, there are 6,700 unreached people groups in our world today, don't have a gospel witness, don't have a Christian church, don't have a believer. Romans 10, 13, you've heard it today. For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him? if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how can anyone go and tell them unless they're being sent? So, we have the Great Commission. It's not the Great Suggestion. It's a command from our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, the Lord and Master. Go and tell everyone, everywhere. So, Are you going, or are you sending? Earlier this year, my son David, who pastors a church in Bloomington, Indiana, before his early service on Sunday morning, he got a call from one of his missionary friends, and Pastor Innocent had been shot and killed. His church burned to the ground. His wife had been shot and wounded. He was martyred for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That day, Without my son taking an official offering, he received $30,000 from his congregation to rebuild the church that had been burnt down and to build four other churches in that region. Now that's how the church responds to persecution. We don't go down the street and burn a mosque. We don't riot in the street and scream and yell and shake our fists. What we do is we rebuild the church that's destroyed and build five more. That's how you respond to persecution in the church. Put Pastor Setu's picture on the screen for everyone, please. Since 2002, Pastor Setu has planted 65 churches in Nigeria, in a heavily Muslim area. Radical Muslims came and tried to kill him. They held a knife to his neck. They threatened him that he needed to leave and quit planting churches, but he kept on. His cousin pastors a church in Nigeria. His eyes were plucked out by radical Muslims in his village. Now he's blind, but he continues to pastor the church. One church was set on fire with 52 congregation members inside. They all died pastor say to move to a new region to plant a church, and it was, of course, a heavily Islamic area as well. One day, the fundamentalists in that area decided to come after him. They went after his 14-year-old daughter, Charity. They went to Charity's school. They drug Charity out into the little square in in the school compound, they took all the students and teachers and lined them up and made them watch as they threw her on the ground and brutally beat her, bludgeoned her, and raped her repeated times in front of the entire student body. They left her to crawl home on her own and collapse in her living room with her mom and dad. And when we asked Pastor to, how and why he keeps going, he said, we have no choice. The only hope for my people, the only hope for Nigeria, is Jesus Christ. And so they even planted more churches after they did that to charity. And then it happened. They got him. Pastor Satu. They killed him. Martyred for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Charity. Put Charity's picture up for us. She's a young lady now. Charity told us, she says, I'm damaged goods. She said, no Christian will marry me because I've been raped by Muslims, and no Muslims will marry me because I'm a Christian. They killed her dad. Raped and beat her. And you know what Charity's doing? She's planting churches. I tell you this, because we don't comprehend the word sacrifice. I ask myself, what have I ever done to sacrifice for the gospel of Jesus Christ? The persecuted church in our world is planting the church. When they killed Pastor Satu, did they stop the church planting? No! The blood of the martyrs becomes the seed of the church and the church will march forward because Jesus said it in Matthew twenty-four, fourteen: this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness and then the end shall come. It's not we might plant the church, we might grow the church. He didn't say upon this rock I might build my church. No. He said upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. They may kill us. They may take us to the guillotine. They may persecute us. They may draw our blood. But I'm telling you they will not kill the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. They will not kill the planting and the growing of the kingdom of God for this Gospel, good news shall be preached to all the world for a witness and then the end shall come. We think of sacrifice as giving up coke and having water instead or giving up a meal once a week so we can sponsor a child or support a missionary. He doesn't ask every one of us to die on a foreign field? No but he does ask every one of us to live our lives to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not a suggestion. You see, it's not the will of God that ordinary or average Americans spend more on Christmas than average Americans spend on missions. Average Americans spend three times as much on our pets as we do in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I love little puppies. Cats, not so much, but... Ordinary or average Americans spend $97 on Valentine gifts. Ordinary average Americans spend $2,700 on eating out. When, for $34 a month, you can feed a child for the whole month, plus a whole lot of other stuff. Did you know there are more Barbie dolls in America than there are people? Did you know that last year, $8 billion that people purchased on gift cards and gave to people, $8 billion was not spent. It was just thrown away. Did you know that last year in America, we spent $11 billion on bottled water? when we can turn on our faucet and get it for pennies, and when children and people around the world don't have safe water to drink. It is the will of God that we not be ordinary or average or mediocre. It's the will of God that everyone everywhere is touched with the good news, the message of who Jesus Christ is and what he came to do. It's the will of God that we care for the widows and the orphans. It's the will of God that we sponsor children. It's the will of God that we support missionaries and missions. It's the will of God that we not just care for them, but it's the will of God that we rescue them. So what is the next step? What can you do To change your world. How can you pray? How can you be involved in this world outreach, this global outreach? You can go on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic with your church. You can sponsor a child. You can make a mission's faith promise today. You can give in the offering. You can pray for missionaries. You can pray for those that are doing the work. You can, well, are you sending or are you going? Or are you doing both? When it comes to your missions commitment for this year, I think you really have four choices. One, you can do nothing for missions. I'm not going to tell you how I feel about that. But I think from the message, you can tell how God feels about that. Two, you can give less than you gave last year to missions. You can say times are tough. Economy's bad, I'll give less. That's a value decision. Where are your values? Three, you can give what you gave last year. I I stretched my faith last year. I gave more than the previous year, and and, uh, that was awesome. Or you can... Give more than you gave last year and do more than you did last year. You can give more and do more. Let's not be average. Let's not be ordinary. That's not God's will for this church. That's not God's will for you as an individual believer. He doesn't want you to be ordinary. He doesn't want you to be average. He doesn't want you to be mediocre. He wants you to be the best batter, and if you're not the best batter in the world, he wants you to be the best pitcher in the world. He wants you to do everything you can do to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, sorry, David. It's impossible for me. It's impossible for me to share my faith personally. It's impossible for me to give more. It's impossible for me to do more. I'm not a prophet. But this is a prophecy this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached into all the world for a testimony and then the end shall come it's not a question of whether the gospel is going to be preached in all the world or not it's not impossible it's inevitable it's going to happen and this is the time it can happen more than any other age with the technology and and Twitter and Facebook and the Internet and, and everything that's going on technologically. This is the time we can cross the barriers and the walls and the curtains and we can penetrate the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ like never before. The question is not, is it going to happen? The question is, what part are you going to play in the evangelization of the world? The church will share the gospel with everyone everywhere, and then Jesus is coming. Impossible is just a big word thrown around by ordinary men who find it easier to live in the world that they have been given than to explore the power they have to change it. Power to change the world one child at a time, one person at a time, one missionary offering at a time. Impossible. It's not a fact. Impossible is an opinion. Impossible is not a declaration. It's a dare. Impossible is potential. Impossible is temporary. Impossible is nothing. It's time to rethink possible because with God all things are possible. It's even possible to change our world. Hear me. It is possible to change our world. And you can begin making that change here, now, in this service. Come back.
0: Ushers, I want you to quickly distribute to the congregation this faith promise promise card, pledge card. Ordinary or extraordinary. God has called La Palma Christian Center to an extraordinary life. I believe that. I want each of us to do our part. And then together we join our forces to become a force to be reckoned with. Impacting the world. How many believe that Jesus is coming soon? You can say amen. You can wave at me. Nod your head. How many believe Jesus is coming soon? I believe it. If we really believe it, then we need to maximize the time that we have here. If he's coming soon, Creighton, then there's not a lot of time left for us. And a lot of work to be done. You heard the statistics that Dave brought to us alarming, astounding how many people have never even heard yet folks we have almost 30 missionaries and several missions projects that we support on an ongoing basis every month we make sure that our missionaries get a check and support from La Palma Christian Center The only way we're able to do that is by you helping us to do that. That's what this weekend is all about. That's what this week is all about. This is our opportunity to push the reset button. I don't know if I said that in the first service or if I said it already here, but we're going to push the reset button on our missions thinking. We get an opportunity to start from scratch. Now, There are some of you that have been here a long time, and you know what faith promise cards are all about. This is kind of old hat to you, but let it not become so routine that you're numbed today. I pray the Holy Spirit would speak freshly to us as to what He wants us to do right now. But it says, as God enables me, I will express my faith and help take the message of Jesus to all the world By giving to the missions program of La Palma Christian Center, I understand that this faith promise is a covenant between God and me and that I will not be asked for payment at any time. And I want to stress that to you. We're not going to be calling you. We're not writing you a, a, a note every month saying, Don't forget. We want you to sign up what you think you can do with the help of God, with the help of the Holy Spirit. In fact, why don't you just, why don't you step out on a limb and say, I don't even know if I can do that much. But with God, I'm going to step out in faith. See, that's what a faith promise is all about. It seems that every year, God pushes Karen and I out to actually do the fourth option, Dave, which is to do more than we did last year. And it seems like every year I I try to reason with God, right? You know, God, what we did last year was more than we did the year before. And I think that's pretty good. And, you know, and God is so gracious that he's going to bless whatever we do. But but if you want to live an extraordinary life and see the extraordinary blessings of God come back on you in your life, you've got to stretch out your faith do things that you say God if you don't help me I can't get this done that's actually where God wants us to live I want you to bow your heads real quick I'm going to pray for you before you fill this out God we thank you today for your love for the whole world I'm reminded of probably the most recited, most quoted, most familiar verse in all of the Bible. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. Thank you for your love for the world. And we thank you that you have devised a plan to save all. This is your desire. And because it's your desire, you have devised a plan. Thank you for the plan. And I say thank you further that you've included us in the plan. We yield to you today, making ourselves available to be used both physically and financially. Use us, God. May we give to this cause of evangelizing the world, home missions and world missions. And may we also be challenged by the Spirit to go and to do. Speak to us now, Holy Spirit, as to what our part should be challenge us and may we respond to the challenge so that change will be wrought we give you thanks and we give you praise pastor moses is going to lead us in this chorus and as he does take a moment fill out this faith promise card and we're going to collect it in just a minute you can use anything lord you can use me Can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, and Lord, speak through me. If you can use
1: anything,
0: Lord, you can use me. Ushers, I want you to come at this time. And as receive the faith promise cards i would also like you to give in an offering today for our missions department our missions program and out of this we will bless our guests that come haven't you appreciated dave and candy wiggington being with us today and the word that was brought forth amen come on let them know that you love them and thank god that he brought them to us today so we will receive these these faith promise cards but i would also like you to to uh, help us in our missions outreach, folks. Our missionaries are depending on us. Projects will not get done unless we participate. Really, it's that urgent and it's that important. So uh, give an offering and drop in this faith promise card. Go ahead, ushers, and receive those. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me available so use me you can use anything lord you can use me take my hand Get up on your feet and let's just surrender to God. You can use anything, surrender your life. You can use surrender me. your hands and your feet. Oh, use me, Lord. You can use anything, Lord. You, you can, can use me. me. God's desire and God's plan is to use you and to use me to reach around the world. Amen. Don't forget on tonight we have Nick Griffey, Pastor Nick Griffey. He's going to be with us and the Teen Challenge Choir. They're going to rock our house tonight and it's going to be great. We're going to focus more on home missions tonight in in tonight's service. I want you to come and be a part of that. Please stop by the table. Dave and Candy will be there. You can thank them for coming. And also, if you did not pick up a a card to sponsor a child, you can still do that. Talk with Candy out at the table. And if you did, please fill out that blue envelope and get that to Candy. And if you can make that first payment, that's bonus. If not, still get her that blue envelope. We don't want to kidnap any children from the Dominican Republic today, do we? Amen. God bless everybody. Thank you for being at our missions convention. We'll look for you tonight.